Welcome to the Vet Coach Transition Tips Podcast, where you get real and practical advice on how to go from wearing boots to wearing a suit. We've got you covered on advice from writing resumes to killing it in an interview. Be sure to check out this podcast and more at transitionvetcoach.com. And now your host, former Navy Lieutenant Pat Bergstresser. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Vet Coach Transition Tips Podcast. This is your host, Pat Bergstresser. Today, we are on episode nine, transition tip number eight. And for any of our new listeners out there, this is the podcast where we give transitioning servicemen and women actionable advice to help you transition from active duty to the civilian workforce. Thanks so much for joining us again. Episode nine, transition tip number eight. Today, we are talking about the education section uh, of your resume. Uh, If you haven't been listening along, we're going step-by-step through the resume. We have our recommended resume format on the site. Head over to transitionvetcoach.com so you can see the format that we we recommend when you're first getting out. Uh, You can always update this and change this, and believe me, you will. As you spend more time in the private sector, you'll adjust and and change this resume a hundred different times for every job you apply to, and and just the more time you spend in the private industry, the the more you're going to just tweak it to whatever works for you. But when you're first getting out, we wanted to give you a guide to follow and a proven format that works. And, uh, and, and that's what we recommend. If you head over to transitionvetcoach.com, uh, you can go to the blog post and you can find the resume format. Uh, we'll, it, we'll include a link in the description to this podcast to the resume format. And then we'll also include a link to the blog post uh, for the education section, which is already written. It's live on the website now. Uh, transitionvetcoach.com. But again, we'll just check the description. We'll have the links in there for you there. Uh, Again, transition tip number eight, we're talking about the education section. So we're getting towards the end of the resume. We got through the professional experience section, which is by far the hardest. That's really why you write the resume. That's the entire point is to tell people what you've done. Uh, We're getting towards the end. I just want to emphasize, you know, don't get lazy. Like these sections do matter. If they're on your resume, they matter. They might be short. They might seem kind of straightforward, but uh, people are going to look at them and you just want to make sure that you're not throwing any red flags throughout the process. So so the first question that uh, I think a lot of people in the uh, in the military might have or, or veterans might have is, do you include your, your high school diploma? It depends, right? So in this case, it just depends. If you have your college degree of any sort, even an associate's, you don't need to put your high school diploma. Don't waste space. Everybody can assume that you graduated from high school. And honestly, there's really nothing that special about high school. Uh, so there's really no reason to include it. Uh, there is an additional information section that we're going to talk about at the very end of the uh, resume podcast. It's the last section that I'm going to recommend. It's a little bit unique compared to most other resumes. And we'll talk about where you can put things that you accomplished. Some of those may be in high school, um, but you don't need your high school diploma if you have any sort of college degree, meaning associates, bachelors, and of course, masters or PhD. Um, so, uh, but if you do not have a college degree, put your high school uh, diploma because you don't want people to think that you didn't graduate high school because that's what they'll assume is that you didn't graduate. There are people out there trying to find jobs who didn't graduate high school. And unless requirements for the military have changed recently, generally you have to have your diploma to just to enlist. So um, if you have your diploma but no college degree, include it. If you have any sort of college degree, you can go ahead and, and leave it out. One thing I'll say when uh, putting your college degree on there, if you had any sort of of uh, honors or your summa cum laude or cum laude or whatever, you know, I, I'm not really familiar with all those different uh, alphabet soup 
things they put at the end of the degrees. But if you have any of those included, you want people to know that you didn't just graduate, you graduated with honors of, of whatever sort. You know, the service academies have distinguished graduate, which is the top 10% of, of the class, anything like that. If you're in the top 5%, tell them that. I mean, distinguish yourself as best you can, you know, but generally don't include it unless it's some sort of official distinction. Uh, most colleges have summa cum laude, cum laude, stuff like that. And then again, the service academies have uh, distinguished graduates. Um, in the education section, we're sticking just to actual education. Do not include any of your military classes you took. They None of them I promise you are relevant. The only time it might be relevant is for some of the highly trained uh, career fields in the military. For example, in the submarines, they go through an extensive nuclear power training. So if you're a nuclear power guy, um, you know, a lot of the officers will go back and get their, uh, I think it's like engineer, it's like engineering management or something. They basically have enough classes done uh, by the time they finish submarine training that they can go knock out one or two more uh, and and have a master's degree. So if you're in that case, you probably already know that you're in that situation. You don't have to worry about this too much. Just include whatever you know, whatever the relative degree is or, or uh, that that is associated with your training. But if you just are like most people in the military, and we all went through, you know, A schools, we call it the Navy or tech school, as it's called in the Air Force, we all went through stuff like that. That is not relevant here. Nobody cares. It's not relevant to the private industry. Uh, If you went through serious, extensive training, you were probably told during that training that a lot of it translated to college classes or college courses. And some of you may have went and knocked out a few more classes to make that uh, an, an undergraduate degree or master's degree or certificate or whatever the case is. So if you did something like that, include it. But this section is strictly reserved for for associates, uh, undergraduate, masters, and PhDs, nothing else. Now, having said that, if you're in the middle of a degree, you want to include it. Like a lot of guys and girls, you know, who are applying to jobs, they'll be in the halfway through their MBA. Well, include your prospective graduation year. A lot of people use tuition assistance on active duty uh, to pay for, uh, you know, a degree that they want to get. And and if you're actually on a graduation path or you have some sort of plan to graduate in the next few years, go ahead and put that on there just to show that, hey, I'm working on this degree. I'm going to continue on it once I get out and I'll be using my GI Bill to pay for it or whatever the case is. But if you actually have a graduation plan, go ahead and include it. But if you've been working on your degree for like six years and you still have like eight more classes and you're not really consistent, do not put that on there. And don't put it on there because not only because it's kind of disingenuous, but also it just shows that you can't, it shows that you may not be good at finishing things. And on your resume, you want to brag about yourself, not, not put red flags out there. And so if you actually intend to finish and you can, if they ask you about it and, and you can say, Yep, you know, I've been working on my undergrad for two years. I'm going to graduate next year. That sounds good. If you put it on there that says you're going to graduate next year and they say, hey, how if, how's your, you know, your degree been going? And, and you have to tell them that you've been working on it for six years or seven years or whatever. That doesn't go over so well. Now, if you can back it up and say, hey, I got four kids and a wife and I take care of my parents. And so I can really only do one class a semester. It's been a slog, but I'm finally getting there. I'm going to graduate next year. That's different, right? So you're going to have to use some common sense. You can always ask me, you know, what my take is. Ask your friends, ask, ask your family. But it just has to pass that kind of that sniff test. Does this sound legitimate? And, you know, for with veterans, 
you know, we all have uh, some sense of integrity. So just be honest about what your situation is, but don't put something out there that just makes like, makes it look like you can't finish. Now, getting into the format, you need to check out the blog post to see the specific format we recommend. But essentially, you just put education in the center, you know, all caps, underlines, like all the other sections. And then underneath that, uh, you just put the uh, school you went to, and then the year you graduated. So, you know, United, you know, maybe you went to University of Missouri. So University of Missouri dash graduated in 2012. And then underneath that, you put your degree. So bachelor's degree, or you can put bachelor's of science and math. Um, and then, um, or like for me, it was bachelor's of science, civil engineering. And then after that, if you graduated summa cum laude, honors, whatever you put that. Um, and then lastly, uh, one of the big questions that, comes up a lot with the education section is do you include your GPA? You know, if you've been if you graduated from college 20 years ago, how relevant is your GPA? Well, probably not that relevant. People probably don't care. In my experience, you know, I started interviewing for jobs 7 years after my undergraduate after I graduated from my my undergrad and and nobody ever asked what my GPA is and generally people don't. You might see it on online applications. Sometimes they ask for it there. Uh, but for the most part, you're not gonna. People aren't gonna openly ask you now whether or not you include it on the resume. This is my advice. This is what I've seen a lot of other people do, and I think it makes a lot of sense. If you have under, if you graduated with under a 3.0, don't include it. If you graduated with over a 3.0, include it. I think that keeps it pretty straightforward and simple. Again, if you graduated with honors or summa cum laude or something, that implies that you had some sort of high GPA anyway, but you might as well go ahead and include it. If you graduated with over a 3.0, I mean, that's pretty good in college. Like in high school, like most people graduate with over a 3.0, but in college, it's a lot harder. College is harder, you know? So if you did, uh, definitely include that. It just shows your aptitude as a student. And again, this is an opportunity to brag about yourself to whoever you're interviewing with, and you want to take every opportunity you can to do that. Now, one thing I'll say that I've uh, learned since getting out is it looks like in a lot of the uh, graduate programs and and maybe even postgraduate degree programs, a lot of colleges seem to be getting a little bit away from the typical grade structure. And for example, if you look at Harvard Business School, Harvard Business School does things a little bit differently. They don't actually do grades. They do they give everybody in the class a one, two, three, or four. A one means you're in the top 10%, uh, maybe top 15 or 20%. A two means you're in like the middle of the pack. So, you know, somewhere between the 25th percent down to like the 75th percent, you're kind of in the middle of the group. And then a three means you're in the bottom like 10 to 15%. And then a I'm not sure exactly what a four is, but I think it means you're failing. So, but they don't do A, B, C, D, you know, F type grades. They do one, two, threes, and fours. Um, and, and it seems like a lot of graduate degrees are not so much focused on what your grades are, but rather fo- allowing students to focus on what they're learning. And a lot of times that's because people are paying out of pocket to go to, to go to school. A lot of times people are going uh, on top of their work schedule and they have families and whatnot. They legitimately want to learn this. If you go to undergraduate degrees, a lot undergraduate programs, a lot of you know there's a lot of partying, a lot of people drop out, a lot of people don't really care. You know, right now there's in the news they're talking about uh, this 
this whole college scandal with all these celebrities who paid their and wealthy people who paid their who bribed people to get their kids into school. And one of them in particular has been one of the kids has been talking on her YouTube channel because she's a YouTube influencer about how she doesn't care about school and she just wants to go to the parties in the tailgate. So I don't think it's any secret that that is somewhat of a cultural trend in undergraduate programs. But in graduate degrees, people uh, generally are very focused on actually learning and getting something out of the program. And so for that reason, a lot of graduate programs are getting away from strictly grades. You know, so sometimes you might see people on their resume, a master's degree, and they might have graduated at the top of their class, but there's no, you know, then I could put their GPA because there was no GPA. And now Harvard is unique in that most schools aren't doing, doing to doing anything to that extent at this point. Um, but they are an example, and a lot of people look to what Harvard does. They're, you know, the top business school in the country. So people look at what they do uh, to apply to schools uh, for grad for graduate level degrees. You know, a lot of them don't even include, don't even require GMAT scores anymore. GMAT is like the SAT to get into business school. Um, the GRE is a common standardized test to get into any sort of graduate program. And a lot of them don't require it anymore as long as you have a certain number of years of experience. Uh, And I think it seems to me that they're starting to realize that, hey, we can make this person take this test, but we can get a lot better of an idea of what their level of aptitude and accomplishment is if we just look at what they've been doing every day for the past five to seven to 10 years. And so, for example, I applied recently, I looked into getting my MBA and I applied to Maryland and I was going to apply to University of North Carolina, but it costs more than, I have 80% of the GI Bill based on when I got out. I, my first five years were committed since I went to a service academy. So I didn't start accruing GI Bill benefits until uh, starting at the end of my fifth year. So starting in year six, I started accruing GI Bill benefits. And based on when I got out, I got 80%. So I took that into consideration when I was looking at graduate programs, because I'm going to have to pay a little bit. I'll get 80% of the tuition covered. I can use a BAH to cover most of that 20% gap, but I'll still have to pay a little bit out of pocket. Having said that, it's still a fantastic deal for me to pay for a graduate degree is going to be cheap, cheap, cheap compared to most people who have to pay the entire thing out of pocket and take out a loan. You know, being a veteran is awesome in that regard that we can, that we can get degrees you know, completely free or or close to completely free. Um, But having, but anyway, I was looking between those two schools. UNC is, was a little bit more expensive. I had to pay more out of pocket. University of Maryland, I live in Maryland. So University of Maryland's nearby and they have an online program and and you do some stuff on campus. And so that program looked good to me. So I I went through the full application process with them. um, And I can say for UNC, uh, if you have seven years of work experience, they, you're automatically waived from taking a GMAT. And then with University of Maryland, I think you had to have five. And if you had five, you had to write a letter, uh, basically a request for a waiver. And I got a waiver. One of my friends uh, at work also is in the program right now at Maryland, and he got a waiver as well. Uh, and then, in fact, because we're veterans, they gave us scholarship to cover the remaining 20%. And the way the math works out, it doesn't quite work out to getting you completely free, but still another good deal. You're just a veteran and they just give you a scholarship. So so anyway, that's just a little bit of insight into what's going on in graduate programs where grades are not necessarily grades anymore because of the motivation of students. Uh, a lot of times when you apply to these programs, you have to send them a resume. Uh, so and and obviously, you know, with Maryland, since I was re- since I was requesting a waiver, they want to know what I've done the past seven years since uh, in the military. So I so I sent them a resume as well. And that was part of the waiver process to not take the G. 
GMAT. Um, but they, they accepted that and, you know, I, I got accepted later on and everything, but, um, but anyway, there's just a little bit of insight into what's going on in the education community, you know, as, as a lot of you are, are looking at getting out, maybe going to a graduate degree, you know, if you, if you already have your undergrad or maybe you're getting out and you did your four-year, you know, your four-year enlistment, you want to punch out, use your GI Bill and, and go to school, uh, just undergraduate programs are still for the most part, the same SATs, ACTs, GPAs, stuff like that matter, but um, but for graduate degrees, it's starting to change, and who knows? Maybe that'll trickle into under, undergraduate programs at some point in the future. We'll have to see. Uh, but anyway, um, that's really it. The last thing I want to touch on is location. So we recommend you put it at the end of your resume uh, after the professional experience sec- after the volunteer section, which is after the professional experience section. However, I do have one caveat to that. If you you know we're in we're in the military, you got out, you went to school, and now you're starting to look for a job. I or you got your degree while you're on active duty through tuition assistance and you're getting out and you you know you just gra- you just graduated like a year ago or something and you're getting out you want to work in that field I would recommend putting it at the top of your resume and here's why you want to show you know the beginning of that resume we talked about in in the professional summary podcast and the key skills you're setting the reader up for what you're looking to do and where you can add value if you just graduated, you're looking to work in that field. So my advice, and that's the most experience you probably have in that field. So you want to put that up front and center. Say, hey, I've been in school for four years or two years or whatever, working on this. I want to work in this field and put it up front and center. A lot of my friends who have MBAs do that. They they got out of the military, they get their MBA, and then they put their, their education section near the front of their resume so people know they graduated with their MBA and they're looking to work into finance or management consulting or whatever the case is. So if you're going to use, if you're leveraging a, a recently earned degree to get into a career field, I would put it at the front of your resume, and specifically, I would recommend at the end of the uh, right after the key skill section before the professional experience, so they can see, hey, you're going to read my professional experience. It's not necessarily going to be relevant, but I just went back and got this degree so that I could transition into this field. And you're just setting up the reader, you know, guiding them through your story, and that's a recent part of your story, so you want it to be up at the front to show that's what you're working towards. So anyway, uh, guys, that's it. This is a short one this week. Uh, hopefully got some value out of it. As always, if you have any questions, you can email me, pat at transitionvetcoach.com. If I don't know the answer, I will definitely work to find it for you uh, from my network or elsewhere. Um, and then last but not least, we always end with a favorite quote of mine. It's a Winston Churchill quote, which is, success is not final, failure is not fatal, It is the courage to continue that counts. We always talk about this. Just because you get a job doesn't mean it'll be your last one when you get out. It more than likely won't be. Uh, So you're going to have to continue to work on your resume, work on your interviewing skills, and just learn and continue to grow uh, as a veteran and not an active duty service member anymore. Um, And then failure is not final. More more likely than not, you'll interview for jobs and not get them. Um, And you just have to remember that it's not anything against you. So maybe somebody had a a way to get into that job or knew somebody or knew the right people uh, and and they just got it over you. But that is not the end of the world. You're going to get there. You're going to find something. Uh, just you just got to keep after it, keep working, keep pushing, keep growing your network, uh, and you'll get there eventually. Um, and just remember that courage that you got from active duty 
you, you went through far more difficult things on active duty, I assure you, than, uh, than the job search process, uh, far more difficult circumstances overseas, particularly on deployment or when you're getting ready for deployment, a lot more stressful times. So just remember that you've gotten through those tough things before, uh, and you're going to get through this job search. You're going to get through this transition. You'll make it. Uh, but other than that, thanks for listening. Uh, again, this is, uh, your host, Pat Bergstresser signing off. We will see you guys next time. You've been listening to the Vet Coach Transition Tips Podcast. For more transition tips and content, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out transitionvetcoach.com. Thanks so much for your service and all you do. As always, if you have any questions, email Pat directly at pat at transitionvetcoach.com. <laughs>